Welcome to Simon Says Inspire, a podcast about life, leadership, and building legacies. Today we have Simon Donaway, who's my grandson, and Dina's nephew. So welcome to the podcast, Simon. Thank you. Yay, Simon. We're super excited to have you. You're our official first guest as our inspirational family member that we wanted to have on our podcast. So we're super excited to have you. So to begin, Simon, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, where you live, and uh, what, uh, what you've been doing a little bit of lately? Well, I just recently turned 21. I live in Durango, Colorado, and recently I've been going to school to become a helicopter pilot. Wow, that's now that's inspiring. It is inspiring. And what made you decide to want to be a helicopter pilot? Well, there have been a couple different moments that um, have brought me to that. For for one, I work as a wildland firefighter right now. And when I'm on the ground and I'm covered in soot and I'm sitting there on the back of my truck eating an MRE and I see some dude could just fly in with their helicopter and they're all clean and they look fresh and they crack open some beers on the back of the helicopter. I'm like, all right, I want to switch spots with you. You seem like you've got the better job. <laughs> I love that. And tell us more. So the firefighting. So tell us about that. It's a job I started doing when I was 18 years old. I was lucky enough to know somebody who owns a wildland contracting company and I've been doing it ever since. Uh, it's a great summer job. Love it. And love getting to work outdoors and work with cool, interesting people. And when you started, what was the job that you had? I was firefighter type two. Well, I'm still a firefighter type two, but I was pretty much the grunt of the truck. I was the guy that was waking up at 530 in the morning cleaning the whole inside, getting everybody breakfast, doing all the like all the maintenance chores while my captain would go and get our daily briefing and my other firefighter would make sure we had preparations for the day. So I was bottom of the barrel. Okay. And since then, you've been at, uh, what, twice? Have you uh, moved up the ladder a little bit? A little bit. I mean, I'm still firefighter type two, but usually we got a rookie on our truck now, so he gets to do all okay. the cleaning stuff. <laughs> I, I just go make sure we got water and lunches for the day. <laughs> I love the term grunt on the truck. <laughs> That's what you are. What's the craziest fires that you've been involved in? I think the most the most recent one I was on was pretty cool. It was, uh, it was the Mosquito Fire in California, and I had I just really liked the job I had there. I was basically watching over this this uh grove of sequoia trees and they're supposed they're supposedly the northernmost sequoias in the world and so for two weeks me and my team just worked we we prepped the area we plumbed it with some hose line and then we did a controlled burn in there to make sure that when the fire passed through that area it didn't impact any of those trees wow and and you saved every tree didn't lose one so <laughs> So do you uh, do you believe you'll uh, get back again this summer? Uh, I, I'm, I'm assuming there won't be any shortage of forest fires. Hopefully. I don't know. We've gotten a lot of rain out here in the West this summer. So, or this winter, we got a lot of snow, and now we're getting a lot of rain. So there's a couple. There's some, there's some fires popping up. I was looking this morning. There's some that have popped up in New Mexico. Hopefully there aren't fires, but fingers crossed if there are, I get called out on it. Now, last year, last year you did one in Arizona, I think, right? That, my first fire was in Arizona. Uh, that was the Bighorn Fire. And that was up on Mount Lemon. So I was right near, right next to Tucson. Dean is very familiar with that area. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we used to live there. So we used to we used to go up to Mount Lemon a lot. Yeah. Yeah, beautiful place. It's really cool to 
be up there when there's a fire on top of it. I got some really cool pictures from it. I'll have to send you guys. And Simon, when you uh, completed that, then you took on another uh, challenge, and that would be up in Alaska. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, the last last season, I started as a as a greenhorn on a fishing boat out in Alaska. I do gill netting for salmon in Bristol Bay. In fishing terms, is that something like the grunt? Oh, big time! Yep, <laughs> <laughs> the grunt of the boat. Yep, yeah, and that was. I mean, that was a, definitely a new experience. Really, kind of intimidating to go out there for the first time because we were we were based out of King Salmon, Alaska, which is a place you can't drive to. So the only way in is by boat or by plane. And like once you're there, you're like, okay, I'm stuck here. I'm here for six weeks. Six weeks. Okay. And I'm assuming the the salmon, they measure it by pound that you catch. Yep. And how many pounds of salmon did you catch last year? We had our, we had a record high year on our boat. We caught roughly 300,000 pounds. Wow. Wow. That's crazy. How many other boats do you see out there doing the same thing you're doing? Oh, it's crazy. It's like it's like you know when you're on you're in bumper to bumper traffic like on the interstate. It's like that, but you got a bunch of fishing boats with 100 foot nets off the back and angry captains zooming around. So, so really, once you're out on a boat, uh, do you ever have an opportunity to get off the boat? Uh, not if things are going well. Usually if we're getting off the boat, that means something on the boat has broken or something or the weather's really bad or something is not going well for us. <laughs> now, do you plan on doing that again this season? Yep. I head out June 15th for the boat. Cool. And how, how long? Uh, another six weeks. So that, that's how long our salmon season is. So I'll be out there till roughly August 1st. Nice. And are you looking forward to it since you did it last year? It was your first big experience? Oh, I'm definitely looking forward to it. It's like, it's type two fun. You get out there and you <laughs> have a miserable time. It's, but, but then you like, you look back on it and you're like, okay, I'm happy I did that. It was, it was a good time. Nice. And, and how many days or how many hours a day are you working when you're out there? As many as fishing game will let us. They, um, they basically open, they, they open it up for fishing for a certain amount of time throughout the day. And that depends on how many fish have run up the river. So Start of the season, sometimes we'll only get to fish like two, three day, two, three hours a day. And and by the end of the season, once they've got like they've got the run up river that they want, they'll open it and then you're fishing 18, 20 hours a day. Wow. Okay. Wow. Awesome. Well, Simon, obviously your name is Simon, and you probably get this question a few times with your mother being her last name Simon. Because I know when we introduce you, when I say my nephew, Simon, they look at me like, why is your <laughs> nephew named Simon, Simon? And it's like, nope, Simon Donaway. Um, but we love we love that you have that name as well, Simon. And I, I was sharing with, you call him Pap Pap, but I was sharing with uh, Pap Pap when we did the launch of our podcast, like how cool it is that we have this name because of the Simon Says and we get to... We get to use that from a branding perspective, but I just, I did want to call that out that Simon Donaway on our Simon Says Inspire podcast. So will you share with us a little bit? So you talked about most recent kind of what you're up to. Will you share with us a little bit about, you know, where you live, a little bit about your family and growing up? Uh, Yeah. So I live in Durango, Colorado. Absolutely love it here. Checked out a bunch of other places all over the world and decided this is the place I want to be. Love that. I've got one younger sister and I've got my mom and dad. We've got two dogs, two cats. There's a lot of us in a small little house, but it works pretty well. 
and yeah, I'm living at home until I finish my flight school. Growing up, I mean, I technically I was born in Texas. As somebody who lives in Colorado, I choose not to say that very much. <laughs> um, and I said to Granny whenever we were talking, I said, I'm not going to put Simon uh, out there by saying, where were you born? That he, he admitted it himself. He did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've lived in uh, Colorado pretty much as long as I can remember in Durango. Yeah, actually. I think you're about six months old whenever you moved there. Yeah, something like I, I, I yeah. couldn't tell you. you. You have a better idea than I do. Yeah, yeah I grew up riding, racing mountain bikes around here, lots of outdoors activities, camping, pretty much love being outside whenever I can. And it's been great. Well, you definitely are an outdoorsman with not only uh, mountain biking, but you're, you used to be a pretty good skier at one time also. But Yeah, actually skied yesterday. Oh, you skied yesterday? Yeah, I skied yesterday. It was the closing day of the season. Wow. Yeah, rain down up on that. Where did you go? Up to up to uh, uh purgatory. Oh wow. It's really unusual to have uh, skiing in uh around the fourteenth of May. Yep. It's been a weird year, but take advantage of it. Yeah. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your mo- mountain biking? So for a while there, that's what I wanted to do for try to make it as a professional mountain biker. I'd say I got I got relatively close. I was racing on pretty much a semi-pro level i was racing professionally but i didn't quite have the support to to help back me up like the financial support from companies i was starting to get there then i was doing a race in kentucky and i don't really remember what happened i remember the gate dropping and the race starting and next thing i know i was in a flight for life helicopter so why don't you tell tell everyone a little bit about uh how you ended up in kentucky uh when you went to uh, brevard college Oh yeah. So I, first off, I started attending Brevard college, uh, right out of high school. And I chose that school because they gave me a pretty decent scholarship for racing bikes. And, and they're located in North Car- Brevard, North Carolina, which has some of the best riding in the country. And other than Durango, that is, but I was like, okay, I got to leave home for a little while. I can't just stay here. So I, so I picked to go to Brevard college and we were traveling for a collegiate mountain bike race. We were headed to, I can't remember the exact university it was, but there's there's a school we race in Kentucky and it was like they were hosting the event that weekend. So I got out there and was uh, doing slalom racing when it happened and made it through the first couple rounds. And then I was actually, it's pretty funny, I was racing my best friend and that's the round that I somehow crashed and broke two vertebrae, broke uh, my skull and my collarbone. And how old were you then? I was 19. Wow. Crazy. And as you said, you remember the gate and then all of a sudden you're in the hospital. What do you remember between? So I remember the gate dropping. I remember I was racing my buddy Gunner and I remember he dropped his chain out of the gate. So I was like, okay, I'm going to get this. Like, I'm going to win this round. That's cool. But I was like, okay, I'm carrying some decent speed. So like, I don't know, I'm going to hit these couple corners fast because it'll be fun and then i'll like mellow it out and finish my race run apparently i didn't make it through those corners right. <laughs> uh and then next thing i know i was getting care flighted well thank god for a great medical team at vanderbilt university in vanderbilt tennessee in nashville yeah you were in the hospital for what four or five days only after the uh surgery yeah i think i was walking day after which was pretty cool considering that there was a while where they were like, we don't know if you're ever going to walk. Isn't that crazy? Wow. After surgery, yeah. I was like, they were like, if you want to try, you can, you can give it a shot. 
I can, I can remember coming over there and, and meeting your mom and, and then four or five days later hopping in uh, our car and driving you back to Rivard, North Carolina for yep. uh, <laughs> that, so that you could continue uh, your education. Well, yeah, I wanted to finish up that semester. Yeah. And that was your freshman year, Simon? Uh, no, this is my sophomore. sophomore. Okay. It was your sophomore year. Okay. I couldn't remember. Yeah. Yeah. So crazy. Terrible accident. You had a great medical team and it sounds like you actually had a pretty decent speedy recovery, right? Like, so as you said, you were up walking, um, but you certainly had months of, I'm sure, physical therapy, all that kind of stuff to get to back to somewhat of a normal life. Yeah. So after, after my accident, it took me about nine months to recover. Uh, I'd say about, so for, for about three months of that, I was in a neck brace and pretty much stuck in bed. And then I was able to start doing physical therapy. And then you had to have an, you had to have another surgery when you came home though. Yeah. I always forget about that one. Yeah. So I, when I was actually, when I was at Vanderbilt, they didn't, they only fixed my spine and they gave me a neck brace for my, um, only, <laughs> I only <know>. fixed your <laughs> spine. <laughs> Yeah, uh, for my for my skull, and then I went to back to Rivard, finished up the semester, and I was like, man, I knew I had a broken collarbone at that point, but I didn't know how bad. I was like, man, my collarbone, like you can kind of push in it and like feel it mushing around. It was it was just not the way it should be, and it didn't feel like it was healing at all. I still had no use in my left arm. Huh. Back in town, and luckily uh, we're good friends with an orthopedic surgeon in town, Kane Anderson. He was he's a great guy, and he like took one look at it. He's like, dude, you need surgery. We got to get that thing plated. So in the next week I was able to get it plated. And then two days later, I had full use of that arm. Oh, isn't that crazy? Wow. So just mm-hmm. how lucky you were to have great doctors in, in Durango and in uh, uh, Tennessee. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, and so Simon, you probably have some metal in you. Oh yeah. Yeah. I got a little bit of titanium in my back, a little bit of collarbone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And do you go off when you go through metal detectors at the airport? So shockingly, not the airport ones. Okay. The the handheld ones, like the ones you comb the beach with, those yeah. decent. Yeah. Found that out because after I got off the fishing boat in Alaska, uh, my captain actually he has a gold mine up there, and we just went to go mess around one day. He's like, "You can keep half of whatever you find." So me and my buddy were going around with the metal detector, and we kept getting really excited. <laughs> I, mean, I started like digging like i'd start digging a hole we'd be like oh, we're finding something good we're finding something good and then i'd step away and it would stop beeping and oh my gosh and we were like, oh we didn't find anything it's just me oh my gosh i love it so tell us a little bit about uh after you um completed your rehab and everything and you decided to take a little time off of college and uh, take a trip do you want to tell us a little about the trip that you uh, that you experienced? Yeah, well, I can't take all the credit for that. I got to give my dad a lot of it because he uh, <laughs> he's a smart guy. He realized that we were going into uh, mountain bike race season, and man, if I had stayed home and couldn't race, and I mean, at that point, I was still like walking was about the most I could do. At that, like, if I had stayed home, I would have been I would have been no fun. I would have been really sad, and not very happy. <laughs> Uh, now you can still b- bike ride now, just not competitively. Oh, I'm pretty much at this point in my life. I'm pretty much a hundred percent. I just can't crash like I did that day. So I basically, I just have to tone it down a little bit. Doctors told me I can't race anymore. Okay. So, uh, your dad, uh, had an idea for you and, uh, why don't you share that with the, uh, the rest of the, uh, people listening? 
Yeah, and uh, for Christmas, what I got was basically uh, a plane ticket from Durango to uh, London Heathrow, and then a couple months later, I had a plane ticket back out of Paris, and I pretty much got that, and then I got told to figure it out. So I kind of made okay. it my own. I mean, I, plan is a little bit a little bit more extreme than it should be because I didn't plan much. I planned out my first couple days. I got to London. I had a URL pass so I could take the trains. Like had a hostel booked for like two or three days so I could get myself sort of accustomed. And then I just started jumping into it and coming up with an itinerary on the fly as I traveled around. And in the process of all this here, how uh, uh, how did you figure out how what you wanted to do, where you wanted to go? Well, a lot of it was people I met along the way. I decided to do like a solo backpacking trip and I wanted to keep my plans pretty open in case I found a cool person to hang out with in a certain spot or, and then I don't know they're going somewhere cool, hop on their travel plans for a little bit and then find somebody else. And I like to keep it kind of loose depending on who I met. So in, in that two week or two month period, how many different countries did you uh, visit? Ooh, I don't even remember off the top of my head. I can look really quick. And Simon, while you're looking um, with that, like your loose plans to just kind of, you know, go and see who you meet and maybe tag along. Is that out of, is that like out of your comfort zone normally or is that kind of how you operate normally? Oh, it's definitely kind of how I how I operate. So I tour I went through eight countries. Wow. Wow. And you had a visitor at some point. I did. That was a ton of fun. I met up with. App app in Germany. Yep, we met in uh, we met in Munich, and uh, we went to uh, Switzerland and Austria, and then uh, back to Berlin. So I was there for two weeks with them, and we did have a great time in those two weeks. I know that uh, prior to meeting you, you uh, you ran into a lot of young people that you uh, spent time with in Prague, Czechoslovakia, and yep. uh, I, I think it'd be really interesting for people to hear the story about the gentleman you ran into in. Uh, in the uh in prague at the um uh what was it like a a, a farmer's market or a uh uh oh, a town square i just met him at a random park and he was um he was carving these little wooden statues and i went up and asked him about him because i was like oh those look pretty cool and he gave me he he gave me this little one he made of charlie chaplin Ooh, wow and he, he was just like, so what are your, what are your plans for the day? And I was like, well, I was going to wander around. I don't really know where I am. So I was going to, I don't know, check out some of the big landmarks, go to some of the cool bars, like kind of feel my way around it. Cause I, I, I had a couple days there. So I was just, just trying to get a lay of the land. And he was like, well, do you want a tour guide? I'm like, sure. I'm like, you got nothing better to do today? And he's like, no, no. So he just gets up and he, he had lived there for 50 years. Wow. He showed me all around the city, took me to all his favorite spots, bought me a lot of beer, a lot of food, and then we parted ways. And I asked, I was, I asked him, I was like, Hey, can I get your phone number or anything? Like in case I ever come back, like, I'd like to hang out again, catch up, that sort of thing. And he was like, I don't have a phone. No, you can. He's like every, I, I can't remember. I think it was, he was like every Sunday. I'm on this. I'm on the bench you found me at, whittling sculptures. So just come there. Like, oh my okay. god, I love it! Wow, I've got a pin where that park is. If I ever go back, oh my well, god, I love great. it. <laughs> that's awesome. And how cool? How old was he? Do you oh, think? He was, 
I never asked, but I would say he was in his 60s. Nice. And so I what a gift you probably gave to him because he got to show you, like you said, to all his favorite places and mm-hmm. spend time you to being that tour guide. And um, so as as it was amazing for you, it was probably mm-hmm. such a gift for him too to spend that time with you. Yeah. He's... Simon, in in your two months over there, uh, can you pick one place that was your favorite and one that you would like to return to? Definitely. That's an easy one. Uh, Cinque Terre in Italy. I, I didn't even, I didn't make any friends there. I didn't meet anybody. I was completely alone for my whole, like, I think I spent three, four days there. And is that where you, uh, you, you took the boat and you went out and yep. uh, went from island to island? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's this little, it's this, uh, Italian national park and it's a string of five fishing villages that are all, um, kind of difficult to access you can get to them pretty easily by train or boat but you can't really get there by car they're along these amazing cliff sides and there's a trail that you can walk between all of them and there are people vending fresh wine along the way lemoncello like you're walking through the orchards is that what you call them for lemons sure yeah <laughs> grow i think they're a groves. grove maybe a grove groves, yeah. the lemon groves nice Citrus fruits being grown, and you, yes, you got those on one side of the cliff, and then you've got the ocean on the other side. This is one of the most beautiful places I've ever been. Do you keep in touch with any of the people that you uh, met while you were over there? Uh, yeah, I actually do. Uh, I mean, when I went to Ireland, I then I made a quick detour to visit one of my friends uh, from the UK. Okay, so uh, so you made friends that you'll have for a lifetime during your trip. Oh, definitely. I'm trying to get them all to come here for a little while because I'm like, you guys love Durango. You yeah. Guys. And hopefully one day we can make it happen. How did you like uh, Rome? So I chose Rome at a very interesting. I was I was in, I, I did Rome and Venice right around Easter. Oh, oh wow. Things, so that was, was a mistake on my part. How, <laughs> crowd, how oh, crowded were they? They were so busy. I mean, I really enjoyed just wandering around Rome. But it was pretty hard for me to get um, reservations and everything to go into the Colosseum and go into the Vatican City and all that while I was there just because people had been planning their trips there for months. And I was just like, yeah, I'll go to Rome right now. I didn't even know it was Easter time, but I guess it was. (laughs) (laughs) So now that uh, all of that is behind you and you have your pilot's license for, uh, I guess, uh, uh, personal use, not for commercial or anything. How much longer does it take for you to get your uh, commercial pilot's license? Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna guess about another year. It's, it's, it's kind of finance dependent, kind of dependent on how much time I can put in, and I mean that depends on how much money I make fishing and firefighting. Yep. Okay. So if I got a good season, I'd say, or if we get a good season this summer, I'd. I'd be pretty confident in saying I'll be done. Uh, I'll have my commercial pilot's license by this time next year. Nice. Okay. And then once you have that, what are your plans? Well, first I'll end up working kind of a a low, like a bottom tier job flying um, tours or um, instructing uh, so I can build up sort of an hour base. And then once I develop that, that those hours and uh, especially turbine hours and high altitude hours then i can move into a role doing firefighting which is the that's like my dream job firefighting or uh, ems or something like that 
Okay. Nice. Some something that you've already had a ride on. Yep. Yeah. Well, and you aren't afraid to start at the bottom and work your way up. I mean, that's the story you talked about from um, fighting fires and also on the boat. And um, so you've had that, you know, you, you're you willing to put the work in and, and, and grow from there. So that's awesome. Yeah. Got to get there somehow. Yeah. <laughs> well, the good news is you're 21 years old. You have uh, a lot of... Uh, a lot of time uh, to to get this going, and that's uh, that's positive. Yeah, yeah, and what a gift! Um, so you, that your dad, I'm glad he came up with the idea, Simon, because as your family, you know, we all worried about you too, right? So we love you, and you went through something um, crazy that would would rock anybody's world um, because you were so engaged in the mountain biking and to go through such a tragic accident and all the surgeries and just everything that you went through. And you handled it so beautifully. Um, but I love that they sent you off during mountain biking season because, yes, that would have been hard for you just to be home. And, and, yeah, I've um, given a lot of credit for yep. that. Yeah. Well, and, and yeah, the other part about it is it was not only, uh, uh, that, but it was COVID also, whatever you were oh, on. Yeah. It was COVID time. Yeah. True. I didn't even think about that. So, yeah, yeah it was during COVID. That puts a whole lot more, uh, uh, difficult travel in it because now you're going on trains and, and making sure that you have uh, all the proper uh, masks that you had needed. And, 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 and uh, yeah, I mean, and I definitely didn't for a lot of my, tra- I got, I got yelled at a couple of times for having the wrong grade mask or there, uh, there were some times, especially on Italian trains where I almost got kicked off because I couldn't find the right mask. And then some nice person next to me would just happen to have an extra or something like that, which is great. And I had the same thing happen to me whenever I got into Germany. I didn't have an N95 mask. And a couple that were on the train next to me, they gave me one and I offered to pay for it. And they said, no, that's okay. What we'd like you to do, if you have one American dollar, we'd like to show our friends that we ran into an American today. Uh Love it. Love it. And there, in that great too. There's there are nice people out there. I love that. Love yeah. that. It's amazing how many of them you run into whenever you're traveling, and I'm sure you ran into quite a few, Simon. I know I did prior to uh, meeting up with you. Oh yeah, if, if I didn't meet up with a lot of the people I met up with, like especially with how kind and nice and helpful they were, I might not have made it through that trip. <laughs> right. And there were some times where I was very, very lost. <laughs> Well, I, I tell you what, when we were together, I was amazed at how well you handled directions. We would start walking in a town, whether it was Berlin or uh, over in um, Munich or something. Simon always knew right where we were every minute. We had a few drinks and we would uh, start walking back and I would want to make a left-hand turn. And he said, no, Pat, Pat, you got to make a right-hand turn here. And <laughs> he has a very good sense of direction. I love that. Love that. Um, Simon, our podcast is about life and leadership and uh, building legacies. And so you've given us a little bit about your life and you have a whole lot of leadership already. I mean, you've been, you know, with with what you've done in mountain biking and your team and, and all of that. And then uh, working as a firefighter, um, certainly on the boat, there's a lot of teamwork. And I'm sure you've stepped up to continue to step up from a leadership perspective Share with us what inspires you. So if you can think of what inspires you or what you'd want like our podcast listeners to to know about you, what what inspires you? I mean, I'm inspired, I mean, mostly by by people I meet, like especially through work, I'm inspired by a lot of strong leaders. 
my engine bosses when I'm doing firefighting or my captain when I'm out on the fishing boat, like the way that they handle situations, I definitely learn a lot from. And then in general life, I mean, I've got a couple local role models that have inspired me. And one, one in particular, one of my, Lucy's coming in now. (laughs) Hi, Lucy. What's up? Hi, Hi, Lucy. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. We have an unexpected guest on the podcast today. We have Lucy Donaway. <laughs> yeah. So Lucy, we'll be interviewing you once you get through graduation. So Lucy graduates this coming uh, Friday. Yeah. And, and then on Saturday, she will be uh, 18 years old. So she graduates yeah. at 17. Yep. And turns 18. Yep. Love it. Okay. So back to Simon. So Simon, um, so you were talking about what ins- who inspires you, and you said you have some local leaders and stuff too. Yeah, there. I mean, Durango is full of awesome individuals, especially ones that I've met throughout through cycling. Two I can think of off the top of my head are Rob Rob Nichols and Chad Cheney. They're two guys I grew up riding my bike with, and they're kind of people who have helped me develop the mindset I have today. I think. Nice. Nice. And if you were to give a piece of advice to somebody um, young that goes through, you know, you went through a major life event with your accident and trying to pivot and figure out what you wanted to do with life as far as, you know, your next your next hurrah and what you were going to focus on from a work perspective. Do you have any advice that you would give to somebody that was faced with kind of that, you know, road road, um, the fork in the road and having to make decisions? I think, yeah, yeah. I think the most important thing you can do is sort of roll with it. And instead of seeing it as sort of like something like disheartening, like I initially did with Mike, so it's like, oh, I'm never going to get to race a mountain bike again. That's what I've been training for years to do, blah, blah, blah. Like seeing it as uh, an opportunity that opens up other possibilities. Like for, for me, I, I've never had a summer free where I could go do a Europe trip. Cause I've always had a super strict training and racing schedule and it's like, Oh, well now I can go and do this. And it's not all that bad. I'm sitting on a beach in Italy drinking wine. Like, <laughs> so when life, give, when life gives you lemons, you make limoncello. Yeah. I like, yeah. Perfect. <laughs> I love it. But yeah, I just think rolling with the punches you're given and kind of looking to see the bright side of them. Well, and so much of it is so much of what you've done is because of the support of your mom and dad. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. I'm fortunate enough to have people around me that they give you the freedom. They give me freedom and they also give me resources to do really cool things. And and they expect you to make good decisions along the way. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, yeah. <laughs> some of some of that decisions are all right every once in a while. Yeah, but you've made most you've made mostly just all good decisions because you've thought through things, and we're super proud of you. And you are an inspiration um, with everything that you've been through and the maturity that you handled it in as well. So, just congratulations on all your cool achievements and the journeys and the adventures that you've had. And um, you just just turned twenty one. He's packed a lot into twenty one years. Yeah, you have. And so it's going to be so fun just for us to continue to watch the ride um, and really kind of every, you know, three to four years to see what you're up to and what you're doing, because you have packed a lot in in your first 21 years. And so it'll be fun to watch what you do. Hopefully it'll keep being interesting. Hopefully not quite as interesting as the last two years. Exactly. Yes. 
I hope it stays interesting. <laughs> now, I'm just looking forward to seeing you in Durango uh, this coming Thursday. Granny and I, I know, will be I'm there. Ready for it. Yeah. Well, Simon, we love you. We're so inspired by you. We're so proud of you. And we thank you for being our official first guest on our podcast. Um, That was really an honor for us to have you today. Yeah. Thank you, guys. I enjoyed it. Okay. Thank you, Simon. All right.